community has a selflessness for it to work well is something that's critical. Are you tapping into the power of community? Why not? Join us for Let's Talk Community, where George and his guests discuss the communities they belong to and how they've tapped the power. We all have communities we belong to, and we can easily tap into them to grow our business, advance our careers, make changes in our personal lives, and of course, in our relationships. Join us. You might learn something. Hello, this is George Diaz, and I'm bringing you another episode of Let's Talk Community. And this week, it's only me. I'm not interviewing anybody, and we're going to talk about family communities. Um, Any discussion about community without covering at some point the topic of family is is just missing out on a big component of this. And uh, just this past uh, week, I've run into two discussions with people that I know and um, their lack of community or their family communities uh, were not in the ideal state either today or they were like negative going back. Uh, One of them was uh, one of our neighbors who's from Poland. Uh, She's been here in the States for uh, maybe a dozen plus years. And she is the only person in her uh, family. So all of her, her parents and her siblings are all in Poland. She goes back to visit every year or so. As a matter of fact, last year, because of COVID, she was stuck in Poland a little longer than she wanted to. But uh, she, she has close relationships with her family, but she's just far away. So um, she, she's kind of, I want to say, disconnected physically anyway. Uh, from her family and it you know we, we were talking that there's something that she's clearly missing and uh, you know it's something she longs for she has her kids here uh, and she's building her family community uh, but um, but you know there, there's something missing uh, another couple um, you know friend of ours uh, we were talking about uh, you know some of their families and um, they had a kind of a crummy family growing up uh, The father was, uh, you know, very militant. He was abusive uh, to some extent, uh, definitely emotionally. And um, as a result, the example he gave them was just not all there. And so now they're in their 50s. The parents are, you know, up in their 80s. And you see the shortcomings in their relationships with their siblings, the way they've all uh, established their own families or didn't establish their families is just kind of a, I don't want to say a train wreck, but it's just not a positive thing. And so I wanted to talk about the dynamics of family and how that can be such a productive community. And even if your uh, family community was a negative one, what are the steps that you can take now to start a community, a positive one for your kids and for the people that are around you. So uh, I I like to go back and give you a little bit of background on myself. My uh, family um, came over from Cuba. Um, So my my dad and my mom were teenagers uh, during the uh, Cuban revolution in 1959, and they had to abruptly stop everything and they immigrated to uh, Miami. So this was a real abrupt, you know, traumatic immigration where they literally had to leave everything behind. And uh, my dad is the oldest of uh, six children, uh, two brothers and then four sisters. And my mom 
came over with her older brother and herself. So two intact families that kind of hit the ground running here. Um, my dad and my mom knew each other from Cuba. They were already dating and they got married, um, you know, a couple years afterwards uh, here in the States. So they kind of got off to a rough start, less so them because they were young and they didn't have families. Their parents were the ones that kind of took the brunt of it. But still talk about a traumatic cultural change where you're coming from a country where, you know, you speak a different language. Um, my, my dad and my mom, neither of them spoke Spanish, spoke English very well. Um, you know, it was kind of like suck it up and have at it. Now, my grandfather was, um, you know, came from a very, very poor background. This is uh, Jacob, my uh, uh, paternal grandfather. Um, and he got here at 59 with a family of six, which to me just sounds crazy, but they had a very unified family. Um, he, um, he was a guy that really brought people together. Uh, now, I'm, I'm telling you this from stories because he passed away when I was six. So I, I, I vaguely remember him as a child. But, it, you know, if you see the relationship, my dad, who's already passed away and his siblings, very tight, very close and very supportive of each other. Um, uh, him and um, my grandmother, Estela, met, uh, started their family in Cuba, did the immigration thing. But I always remember as a kid. Mondays, I think it was, we would always get together at their house. Um, and my grandfather worked a restaurant. He was the guy, the guy that ran the cash registers. And um, my dad and my mom would sometimes go with me and my brother, who were the only two that were around yet. And they, we would visit the restaurant. My mom would run the cash register so that he could take us off and he'd take us to uh, Woolworths and we'd, he'd buy us candy or something. And he, he made it a point, even though he was working, of bringing family together and the importance of that. Um, now, love to tell you that, you know, my family was perfect and whatever, but they're not. But the idea of staying together, supporting each other, uh, educating us, you know, was super important. Um, I, I can always tell you that my dad and my uncle were always our baseball coaches. Uh, my dad couldn't play basketball, but, you know, he would always go to my basketball games. Uh, I was a swimmer growing up and, you know, sports was a big part of his life. Sports were part of my life, my brother's life. And he was there. And, you know, a lot of times it was just him giving us ride to wherever my swim meet was, but he was there. And that, aspect of community, something that's really stayed with me. Um, I, I know other people my age where that idea of being with the kids, supporting the kids, and the husband supporting the wife with the kids is kind of like a foreign concept to them. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks where the, the dad was a player and everybody kind of knew the guy had extracurricular, extramarital adventures. And that was so detrimental to them because it's something, first of all, that the children, you know, the sons, the daughters were exposed to kind of knew about if they didn't know about it or if they did know about it, they pretended they didn't. It causes a real negative 
uh, dynamic and, again, causes a poor community, a community nonetheless, but one that's damaging and not in the best interest of, of growth. Now, if I um, go back to, to my dad, so what community did, was he a part of? Well, his father-in-law, so this is my maternal grandfather and him, started a business. They were in the food distribution business. Later, an uncle and then another uncle became a part of that. And their community was very family, right? Uh, I remember as a kid, because I would sometimes help out in the warehouse, uh, you know, this is when I was a teenager, and there were four desks in this one tight office in the warehouse. And that's where the four of them worked. And one of them was working, you know, supporting the warehouse. Two of them were selling. Another one was doing the management, the buying and all that. But they were together a lot and they supported each other a lot. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because as we've moved forward, these physical communities um, are, are still important. But because of a lot of these online things, they're transitioning. And then think about the pandemic and the impact that has had to in-person communities because you can't meet. Just think about going to church and how different that is. Think about uh, chamber. Our, our local Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce suffered tremendously because people couldn't meet in person. And the main way that people meet for the Chamber of Commerce is in person. There was no concept of Zoom or virtual meetings. I mean, there was some for small committee meetings maybe, or maybe a couple people would get together, organize something. But the, the big deal of the Chamber of Commerce and, and others that I've been involved in, BNI, are always in person. Now, what are you trying to do when you start using those kind of communities? is you're replacing or you're creating another version of this family community. And what is it that really goes into a healthy family? Well, let's start thinking about that. The first of all is this, you, you put your needs behind the needs of someone else. I mean, when I think about my dad waking up at five, six in the morning to take me to a swim meet on a Saturday and Sunday morning, driving two and a half hours from Miami to Palm Beach or wherever the heck the meet was. I, clearly, that's probably not his idea of the perfect Saturday and Sunday, but he incorporated it into, our, into his life, into our family life. He made it something he did. And you know, later in life, we talked about it. He was going, oh, my God, those trips to, to Palm Beach and for Lake Worth and things, they were, they were horrible. But then you also would hear him just about, it was great to see you swimming. It was great to see you interacting with the other swimmers. It was great seeing you win. You know, I was the proud father. And community has a selflessness of it for it to work well. And um, Emmy, it reminds me when, when I was at IBM, um, IBM um, at the time, this is back in the 80s and 90s, uh, was one of the largest corporate donors in the country and maybe even in the world. And um, they, they, were, they were talking to us who were involved in nonprofit work and, and the, you know, the, the work that we were doing with IBM about we have to to um, 
move forward with this thing they called enlightened self-interest. And they were going, it almost sounds hypocritical because when you give, you want it to be something you kind of keep quiet about. You don't want to flaunt it. But they overtly had to do that because them being the large corporate white-led company, they wanted to protect themselves against people accusing them of not being a responsible corporate citizen. And they were saying they, they were pointing at other companies that were being banged on really hard, yet the statistics showed that they were corporate citizens, but because people didn't know about the things they were doing, because they didn't toot their own horn, they were seen as being less than. Uh, and this idea of being interested in helping others as a corporation, as a parent, uh, as a member of a community like the Chamber of Commerce is something that's critical for the community to work. Now, if you've come from a family where things weren't so good, and, and I've been, gosh, I'll have another meeting. I'll talk about 12-step programs and things that I've been involved in. So I have an interesting history too. If you look at, at anybody who's been through any sort of traumatic family upbringing, there's a choice that you make at some point in your life. You're either going to take that family community you inherited and just keep living on it as if that was the way you wanted to do it and had no choice, or you can decide, hey, that's not something I want to continue. And through, you know, I don't know if it's counseling, through church, you know, spiritual development, meditation, uh, or through mentorship, or through whatever resource you can find, can you move yourself from this toxic community thinking, this exposure that you inherited and, you know, there's no fault of your own? Can you make a change? Now, I'm not saying this is a piece of cake. I'm not saying this is easy. But, you know, if you grew up in a family where, and I'm just picking one vice, you know, your, your dad was a womanizer, he was a gambler, a drinker, whatever that is. And that's something that you learned and don't think is really positive for what you want to do as you move forward. Can you take steps to escape that? Because your kids don't know what you went through. The people around you don't you know, it might be a secret of yours. It might be something you're out in the open about, but whatever. But that's your history. That doesn't mean that that's the community that you need to move forward with. Now, a lot of this starts playing into legacy and then your position within that community. So here I am. I'm 58 years old. The name of my company is Larry Jacob. If you, if you go to my website at LarryJacob.com, I have a video in the front. And I explain why I named the company Larry Jacob. Larry's my dad. Jacob's my grandfather. Now, their names were really Lazaro and Jacobo, but Lazaro was not a name that his American employers could pronounce. So he quickly became Larry when he got here. And uh, I shortened Jacobo to Jacob so that it would be LarryJacob.com. Sound a lot better. But I, I admired my dad for sure. I admire the person 
my grandfather was described to me as being because I would hear from my dad, I would hear from my uncle, from my aunts. I inherited something from them. They left a legacy with me that I was proud of. And I purposely named my business after them. That's just one example. Uh, if you look at another legacy my grandfather left, Jacob's birthday was November 28th. He gets here from Cuba and he realizes, hey, every year they have this really cool day off called Thanksgiving, which we didn't have in Cuba. And he loved, loved that holiday because every couple years it would fall on his birthday and it was always you know, the, la the, the holiday weekend, long weekend of his birthday. So he made a big deal of it because for him, it was kind of birthday-ish and he used it as his way to bring the family together. And I have pictures of myself. I must've been four, my brother was two or three. And it's a picture of my grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, his brother, four sisters. At that time, only the two brothers were married. So it was me, my younger brother, and my two cousins under my uncle, all there in the family. And if you think that's all that was there, he would definitely invite my maternal grandparents. So in, I have a picture with Faustino and Mercedes, Meita, they used to call it, my grandmother on my mom's side, and my uncle's wife's family. She had one brother and their parents. So he was a unifier. He was someone that brought people together. And that's the legacy that I've inherited. And the reason I bring up Thanksgiving is because uh, this past Thanksgiving, like every Thanksgiving we've had in forever, all of his descendants get together, as many as can. But this last year, now that COVID is a little lighter, we had over 80 people together. And that is, um, you know, those same aunts and uncles, the ones that are still alive, their kids, their kids' kids. And now we've had two great grandkids of the two older folks. So it's been 60 plus years that we've been getting together because of something some old guy and some old lady started that long ago. That is community. Just today, I got a text from one of my cousins, and it, my cousin comes up and says, hey, and, and there's so many phone numbers, I can't keep track of everybody. He's just like, hey, it's your flower girl. And that's because one of my cousins was a flower girl. I'm the oldest of the 26 grandkids, and she was, uh, she might have been three or four years old when I got married. And so she identified, hey, this is your... Uh, your flower girl. And I go, uh, and she asked us about the church that our daughters went to school at. And I go, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, my high school friend, someone that I saw just at our 40 year um, high school reunion is the pastor there because he became a priest and he's now the guy in charge there. Please mention my name. Um, because she wants her son to go there, so they're going through that admissions process. And so here is the community in action. I'm here to help my community. And I'm telling you, when you have 26 first cousins and their significant others and their kids, the numbers grow really fast. 
but they're, they're one of my own. They're part of my community. And I have an interest in helping those people. Now, I'm sure that Jacob and Estela, when they hit the beaches here and, you know, they, they went through just tremendous financial hardship. Imagine, gosh, starting all over again at 59. I'm 58, so I just can't even fathom what that would look like. And I don't think at the time he's kind of going, I wonder what my clan is going to look like 60 years from now. He probably wasn't thinking. He's just trying to figure out how do I put food on the table next week or tonight maybe. And here he set up a legacy by supporting his family, by building a sense of community among these people. And as a result, look at what's happened. So I, I give that out to you as my message of family community. I challenge us all to make the most of our families, make the most of our parenthood, because we are part of this community. It could be that we're at the very top like Jacob, and he's long been passed. My father's long been passed. I'm now in the grandparent stage. So it's interesting how your role in the community, you know, when I was a four-year-old, I was just a kid leeching off of the parents. I've inherited this idea of community, this family feeling, this family commitment, this uh, idea that you sacrifice yourself for others in the family. And now I'm a grandparent. And uh, one of the things that my wife and I are doing is we're babysitting uh, or helping my daughter and my son-in-law with their fledgling community because they've got our first granddaughter. Um, you know, they're a startup family. And, and I see them doing a lot of the things that we did. They're, you know, obviously they're sacrificing themselves, losing sleep, a four-month-old can be a lot of fun. But then my, I transitioned out of that role of being the parent, and now I'm the grandparent. So I'm kind of like consultant. As a matter of fact, and you also have to be careful because you can over-parent and pretend that you're the parent when you're not. You've got to kind of understand your role within the community so that you're not in the way. You're not usurping their responsibility. You're not undermining them. You're encouraging them as opposed to, you know, indirectly putting them down about their way they're raising kids. And, and again, it's a fine line that everybody has to play with, and we're not always going to be perfect at it. But now, if I look at Gabby and Nick, those are the, the two of our, you know, my kid and her husband who are starting their family, they're now beginning that journey, right? And who knows what those two and their first daughter, Francesca, are going to be like 50, 60 years into the future. Who's thinking that far out? But that's where it starts. And if you do it right at that age, and again, it's a lot of persistence, a lot of hard work, a lot of self-sacrifice. But if you do that, the community grows, the community supports itself. And it's a legacy that I think we all should spend time doing so that, you know, again, we're leaving a legacy that's meaningful. We're remembered in good ways. And frankly, it's just a good way to live. Life just runs so much smoother when you do it that way. So thought I'd share that with you today. Um, feel free to comment. Let me know what you think. Cheers.
You've been listening to the Let's Talk Community podcast with George Diaz. To subscribe to this program or find other marketing resources for your business, visit us at www.celebratingrelationships.com. That's www.celebratingrelationships.com. Thanks for listening.